But as we talk about getting renewed and Sabbath and what that looks like today, I just want to let you know, man, this message is just as much for me as it is for you. And so I'm not preaching at you today. Um, I'm right here with you. Uh, as a student of God's word, really looking into what it says to us and how we rest and relax and rejuvenate um, God's way. And so the foundational thought I just want to start with today when it comes to Sabbath and being renewed and rest is that God is a giver. You think about it. In the, in the beginning of creation, he took six days and he gave and he gave and he gave. He created. He spoke life. He gave us life. He gave all the animals life. He gave the planet life. He is a giver, right? And God wants us to be like him. This is evident from the very creation, from the, from the moment that he shaped us and breathed life into that dust. How did he make us? He made us in his own image. The only ones in all creation that were made in his image, made to be like him, to look like him, to, to in some way reflect him. And so God's a giver. God wants us to be like him. But here's what else I know just from living a little life and that you can't give what you don't have. No matter how much you want to, no matter how strong you think you are, you cannot give what you don't have. I learned this the hard way at the end of my first marathon. I had trained well. Um, it, was, uh, it happened to be, we didn't know it yet, but it was my daughter's birthday literal birthday, like the day she was born. And so I ran the marathon in the morning. She was born that night. It was a crazy day, right? And so, um, you know, flew through the first uh, 20 miles, get to about mile 22. And guess what? My mind was still in it. I was not ready to quit, but my calves started cramping so bad that I, I literally could not run. I had to stop. I had to stretch it out. I'd hobble, I'd run a little bit, they'd cramp again, I'd stop, I'd stretch it out. And so there comes a point, listen, where it doesn't even matter how hard you want to keep going. You just can't. Why? Because of this foundational principle that you can't give what you don't have. We all have a limited amount of energy, resources, time, talent, treasure. Whatever you have, it's limited. And so God's a giver. God wants us to be like him, but we can't give what we don't have. Doesn't matter who you are, how strong you are, how good you are. You can only go so long before you have, you have to recharge, refuel, refill. And so our normal reaction to this in our society and in our culture is that we refill on the weekend. We live for the weekend, right? If you've ever been there, it's, oh, I just can't wait to get to the weekend. Whatever your weekend is. Some of you work weekends, so your weekend is Monday, Tuesday. But a lot of times that looks like, oh, I'm going to get on the boat. I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to eat. I'm going to spend time with friends. Or, man, I just can't wait till that summer vacation. I can't wait till that special trip. Some of us even have the attitude, oh, I'll just sleep when I'm dead, right? And so, you know, there's the normal way that people struggle with, with rest and rejuvenation. But then there's the needed way, which is a more intentional daily weekly, quarterly, and yearly approach to really taking care of yourself and, and doing it God's way. Man, when we're running on empty, it's stressful. 
A couple weeks ago, took the youth to Hocking Hills. Yes, we took them there right before we went back there as a family for vacation. I don't know who put that on the calendar, uh, but um, kind of crazy. So we took them and we were in tents and, and it was awesome. I had a great time. But we get there and we're setting up and in the hustle and bustle, everybody's setting up their tent. Um, my, my wife, Jolie, she comes and she's like, Joe, I'm almost out of gas. And I'm like, what? Why didn't you tell me earlier? Well, we didn't have cell reception and this and that. I'm like, okay, okay. We got to get gas, but no one had cell reception. And so Jeremy had an Android and he's, he must have like a super special Google Android something. And, and he was the only one in the whole group that could get a bar of signal. And so, because none of us had really been there before, no one knew where the gas station was. We, we didn't know how far it was. And I'm like, just what we need. We're setting up tents and, and we're going to have a car broke down on the side of the road with no gas. And, and we got to get dinner ready for these kids. And, and it was stressful. And so me and Jeremy, we, we find the gas station. We jump in the car and he follows me to the gas station in, in another car just in case. And man, how many of you know the whole way there, I'm just sweating. Anybody ever been on an empty tank of gas? And, and it's just the feeling in the pit of your stomach like, this is not good right? So by God's grace, and I should have just listened to her because she's always right. Jolie said, you'll make it. Trust me. I've ran it this low before. (laughs) How many of you have a wife like that? Oh Lord, help me. (laughs) I've ran it this low before. You've got at least 20 more miles. I think she said. So we get to the gas station, crisis averted, blood pressure lowers. And we had a great trip, but running on empty is no fun, right? And so God has his model, which in the Old Testament, he called the Sabbath. And so let's unpack this a little bit, what it looked like in the Old Testament. In Exodus chapter 20, verse eight, God said, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days each week for your ordinary work. But on the seventh day, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord, your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes you, your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock and any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. Now we know, you know, the Bible is very clear that God never gets tired. So why did he need to rest? Maybe, just maybe from the very get-go, he was showing us the way. From the very get-go, he was showing us the rhythm. That he made everything and then he rested. And We'll, we'll see later on, it even says that he was refreshed. In Mark, 20, or Mark 2, 27, Jesus brings some more clarity. And so remember, Exodus is in the Old Testament, that first big chunk of your Bible. Then the New Testament, that second part of your Bible, it's a little bit smaller. Jesus comes on the scene. He brings a new way, a new covenant, a new agreement between God and man. Old Testament, the word testament means covenant or agreement. New Testament, it's a new covenant or agreement. And so Jesus turns a lot of things on its head. But here's what Jesus said about the Sabbath in Mark 2, 27. He said, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs 
of people. Let that sink in a little bit. And not to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Some people get really legalistic about the Sabbath. They're like, well, it's supposed to be on Saturday or it's, you know, oh no, Sunday is the day or, or, or you know, and, and it's just like, oh, it has to be like this or it has to be like that or, or here's what you can do, here's what you can't do. When Jesus comes and he's actually getting attacked by the Pharisees who caught him and his disciples maybe doing something that was against the law to do on the Sabbath. And, and so they're attacking him and Jesus is like, hey, you got this all wrong. The Sabbath is to meet your needs, not the other way around. Now, at the same time, if you dig into the Old Testament law, we see that there were strict punishments for not adhering to the Sabbath. In fact, the death penalty. It's like, whoa, what in the world? Like, if somebody works on the Sabbath, and, and that's how serious in the Old Testament that God was about his laws and his commandments. And so Jesus comes around in the, Old Test, in the New Testament, and obviously because this is how they function for thousands of years, the Pharisees are like, what in the world are you doing? And Jesus brings some clarity, and he's like, hey, it's for you. It's a blessing. And so in the Old Testament, there was a way to a relationship with God, and it was called the law. In the New Testament, there's this new way of relationship with God, and it's called Jesus, and actually having a relationship with him, not just following a list of do's and don'ts. And so the Pharisees come, and they try to heap condemnation on Jesus because of the Sabbath. And Jesus turns around and is like, man, you guys, let me give you a deeper and better understanding. The Sabbath is meant to give rest, not more stress. Rest, not more stress. Man, when I was getting out of a, a town on vacation uh, a couple weeks ago, it's kind of stressful, right? Isn't it funny that to rest, I'd have to experience stress? But, I, oh, I got to make sure this is covered and this is done and this is done. And, and oh, man, have I thought of everything? And some, some friends here at the church and, and Nicole being one of them, um, uh, she works with me here in the office. She said, hey, we got it. <laughs> just, just relax. It's going to be okay. Whatever comes up, take care of it. And, you know, that, that definitely gave me a, a measure of, of, of just chill, right? But sometimes it's, it's kind of stressful just to rest. And Jesus is like, man, God knows what you need. Jesus brings this other's perspective. Man, it's for you. It's not just a list of laws and, and you got to kind of like be uptight about whether you follow it or not. No, it's for you. God knew what we needed. And so here between the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see this clash between what legalism values, just doing the right thing all the time and, and making sure you got your list right, and what God values. Legalism loves the system, which is a list of do's and don'ts. God loves people. And so he actually gave this list of do's and don'ts for people because he loves them, because he wanted to protect them, because he wanted to guide them like a good shepherd does. And so Jesus understood what clearly the Pharisees did not, that the Sabbath is not a rigid, inflexible, complex set of restrictions to be followed. It's actually an invitation to be accepted. And so I want you to think about it like that today, that, man, God's giving me an invitation. He's not putting one more burden on me. Because sometimes when you come to church and you hear about things that you need to do or things you shouldn't do and you should be doing it, it's like, ah, oh. it's like, I got enough going on. I, I just, ah, oh, just, 
one more thing. Now, God's worthy. That's not even the question. God's worthy of everything we could ever give him and more. But here, the cool thing is that God is turning around and saying, hey, I know exactly what you need. And here it is. And so the principle of the Sabbath is to set aside and protect one day out of seven and devote it to the rest and fellowship with God. And we got to remember in this, the commandments were there to protect, not to restrict. They were there to protect us, not to restrict us. I love what Robert Morris, he's a pastor down in Texas, he says about this, this, this tension between Old Testament law and, and you know, what, what we're doing these days. He said, wisdom is still wisdom. Even if law keeping is no longer the pathway to a relationship with God. Think about that. Even though man, the law is not the way that we relate to God anymore. We relate to God through a personal relationship with Jesus. It's by grace that we're saved, not through works so that no one can boast. You're saved by grace through faith, right? And so we don't relate to God through the law, but wisdom is still wisdom. I love what G.K. Chesterton says. He says, we cannot break the commandments. We can only break ourselves against them. Meaning the commandments are God's words, God's truth. You know, you can't break truth. The best way to do life, you can't break it. But when you don't follow them, guess who gets broken? You do and I do. And so we don't, when we don't follow the wisdom that God speaks into our life, it's not, it's not you know, the commandments we break, it's ourselves. We break ourselves. And so when you don't submit to God's ways, when you don't submit to the wisdom that God gave us in his word, it's like trying to walk upstream in a river full of rapids. It's really hard, really fast. And so I want to encourage you today to, to look at the Sabbath as your chance to spend quality time with the creator of the universe. You see, back in the Old Testament law, under the law, the consequences were very outward. Under the new covenant, the consequences are inward and sometimes manifest outwardly, you know, consequences of our actions. And sometimes it manifests itself in anxiety, stress-induced health problems, burnout, etc. Check this out, a 2013 study, that's a long time ago, isn't it? Almost 10 years. A 2013 study revealed that one in every six adult Americans was on some sort of prescribed psychiatric drug like an anti-anxiety or antidepressant medication. And if that was true in 2013, how many of you know it's gotta be worse now? Who knows, one in five, one in four? We know that because of the events of the last two years, it's even worse. Stephen Covey in his uh, famous book, First Things First, back in 1994, let, just let that give you some context to this, to this quote. 1994, he said this, people expect us to be busy, overworked, and it becomes a status symbol in our society. If we are busy, we're important. If we're not busy, we're almost embarrassed to admit it. If that was true in 1994, when I was 14 years old, just think how much more true it is now. We're just, we're running around like chickens with our heads cut off all the time. One more illustration. In Fast Company, it's a magazine for uh, business people. There was an article about the spillover effect and how when parents feel stressed out at work, 
it hurts their children. Their parenting suffers and their children suffer. So nowhere in this is this connection between parents and children more achingly graphic than in the one simple question that was posed to the kids in the research. So the magazine asked kids, they asked them, if you were granted a wish to change one thing about your mom or your dad and their work, what would that wish be? Just think about that. What if your kids were asked that question? If I could change one thing about my parents and their work, what would it be? And so parents were then asked to predict how their parents or how their kids would respond to that question. Most of the parents got it wrong. In fact, 98% of the parents got it wrong. Nearly 56% of the parents assumed that their children's top choice would be to spend more time together. Right? And that's, that sounds about right. It's like, hey, just more time, quality time. But in fact, only 10% of the kids surveyed said they'd like more time with their mothers. And only 15.5% said the same thing about their fathers. By contrast, 34% of kids said that what they wanted most for their parents is to be less stressed and less tired because of their work. They said things like, I wish mom wasn't so tired all the time. I wish dad wasn't so tired all the time. Astonishingly, just 2% of parents guessed that this would be their children's highest priority. So our epidemic of burnout, stress, overwork, not resting, not being full, having empty tanks, it can't be overstated. Parents, you cannot create more time. It's fixed. You got seven days in a week, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. Can't change that. And so more time is not the answer. Better stewardship of the time that we have is the answer. And so what are we stewarding? And what do we do with this? The first thing we steward is our spiritual tank. Should be in your notes if you want to follow along in the half sheet there or open your app, the Mosaic Church app. The notes are there as well. Your spiritual tank is the first thing. How many of you had ever heard that psalm in that video earlier, Psalm 23? A lot of times people memorize that psalm. They've heard it a lot. It's just one that kind of gets in your heart and gets in your mind. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Right? Love that. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along the right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And I will live in the house of the Lord forever. To me, when I read this, it it looks like such an incredible model of a full spiritual tank. But on the other hand, when I read that too much of the time, I feel extremely and utterly convicted because my cup isn't running over because my strength isn't being renewed. And guess what? It's not God's fault. 
Too many times we're full of anxiety, a lack of spiritual hunger, apathy, self-pity. We're stuck in a rut. And our life looks like anything but Psalm 23. The next tank that, that we're stewarding is our physical tank, right? So there's a spiritual part of us. There's the physical part of us. And too much of the time we lack the energy needed to do all the physical tasks on our to-do list. We feel tired, but at the same time we have difficulty falling asleep. Anybody with me? You have a weak immune system with frequent illnesses. We experience frequent muscle and pain soreness. We depend on substances to give us more energy like caffeine or energy bars or sugar. We depend on substances to give us rest like alcohol, pills, or comfort foods. So our physical tank is just low. In Psalm 46, 10, it says, be still and know that I'm a God. Be still. Maybe there's something to that. Maybe we're not still enough. We're not resting enough. Again, our physical tank is just empty. In Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will knock they will walk and not faint. I really believe that that verse is not just a promise for our spiritual lives, but I think the, the spiritual and physical are connected. And what about our emotional tank? Our emotional tank. I love what Billy Sunday says. He says, if you have no joy, there's a leak in your Christianity somewhere. And I don't know about you, but I know that I'm empty emotionally when it's just hard to find joy in pretty much anything. When I hear people talk or circumstances happen in my life and the first thought is negative. When the first thought is negative and there's no joy naturally spilling out of my life, it's a really good indication that my emotional tank needs some stewarding and it's just really low. Job um, from the book of Job in the Bible, he said, my days go by faster than a runner. They fly away without me, my seeing any joy. How many of you feel like that? Your just emotional tank is so low and it's so low that you, you get short, you get irritable, you, you're just quiet. You know, you don't want to talk to anybody or you're really loud. You get louder, you're angry, a short fuse. You don't see any fruit of the spirit guiding your life or flowing out of your life. Your emotional tank is just really low. And then the last bucket that we're stewarding is our mental tank. Our mental tank. The brain is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing. They say that the number of connections or synapses or you could liken them to like telephone connections, connecting the different uh, neural pathways in your brain that these connections in one brain exceed the number of stars in a galaxy. It would be more than one trillion. So the brain is incredibly complex. It works really, really hard. And so when we don't give it rest, when we don't steward our mental tank, when we don't take care of it, then we can't think straight. They say that, you know, somebody who hasn't slept for 24 hours, it doesn't just let their brain rest. It can have the same effects on their body and their, their, their mind as, as being drunk. So we have to steward the mental tank with rest and just shutting it off. Psalm 19.2 says, a person in a hurry makes mistakes. 
right? Because they're just mentally frazzled. Proverbs 21.5 says, careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. And yet, <clears throat> we hurry and scurry trying to get ahead when God's word says it's going to do the direct opposite in your life. It's going to put you behind. And so we can't create more time. So we got to steward what we have well. We've got our spiritual tank, our physical tank, our emotional tank, our mental tank. This is the whole picture of, of what God created you. He gave you a spirit, a body, a soul. We've got to take care of it. We've got to steward it. And so what does this look like? And so I, I believe that if we're going to do any what, we've got to have a really powerful why. And so look at, let's look at some reasons to rest today. Number one, the first reason to rest and the first reason to really devote yourself to a, a Sabbath rest in your life on a weekly basis is that number one, a Sabbath gives God the opportunity to provide for us supernaturally. A Sabbath gives God the opportunity to provide for us supernaturally. Now, you could look all throughout Scripture and just see that when people obey what God says, God's favor rests upon their life over and over and over. Now, does this mean that circumstances will always be in your favor? We know that from the, the, the disciples in the New Testament that that's not true. But will God's favor always be with you? And will he walk with you? Yes. This is the same type of principle as the tithe. You know, when God puts resources like money in our hands, what does he ask us to do? To turn around and to give the first 10%, the first fruits of all that we earn and all that we receive back to God as an offering. And why do we do that? Because it says, God, everything that I have belongs to you. And so when I do this on a, on a weekly and monthly basis and I give back 10% and I say, I, it, what that effectively does is it's saying, God, it's all yours. It all belongs to you. And so it's the exact same principle with the Sabbath. That God, you give me seven days a week to live and I'm gonna give one back to you as an offering. I'm gonna gonna spend time with you. I'm gonna be with you. How many of you know that God can do more with 90% than you can do with 100? Right? But too much of the time we say, well, I got seven days. I'll just, I'll just burn the candle at both ends. I'll work all seven days. I'm going to get this done because hard work pays off. How many of you, that was ingrained in you as a child? Hard work pays off. If you want to get ahead, if you want to do more, just work harder. God can do more with six days than you can do with seven And when you stop and let God have a chance and watch what he'll do in your life. You see, honoring the principle of the Sabbath reveals a deep level of trust in God. You're trusting him that he's going to empower you to accomplish all that he has called you to do in six days a week because you've been you've been obedient to be still for one. It's the same principle that that when we talk about prayer. When we say that God won't answer 100% of the prayers that you don't pray, then if you don't give God an opportunity to bless you in, with rest and rejuvenation, it will never happen. It just won't happen. We have to give him a chance. And the, the problem is, is that many times we just don't. A great example of this, and and by by no means am I saying it's the best business on the face of the planet or anything like that, but Chick-fil-A is a great example. 
Chick-fil-A is dominating the fast food industry. I cannot tell you, though, how many times after church on a Sunday, I'm, I'm like, okay, it's time to eat. And I, how many of you know, a pastor after he's preached, it's a whole nother level of hunger. And I love to eat anyway. But man, there's been some Sundays where I'm like, ooh, man, nothing would be better for my soul right now than a chicken sandwich and some of those waffle cup fries from Chick-fil-A. Come on, somebody. And a Dr. Pepper, ice cold. And I'm like, hey, kids, let's go to Chick-fil-A. And one of my kids looks at me with that smart eye look on their face. And they're like, dad, closed on Sundays. Ah, and my soul is crushed, right? And even though it's happened before, guess what? I'll probably do it again. I just forget. And so, but Chick-fil-A, they're dominating. The company generates more revenue per restaurant than any other fast food chain in the U.S. And it's only open six days a week. So they've got 2,100 restaurants. Just think about these numbers. 2,100 restaurants, and none of them are open on Sundays. For comparison, McDonald's has more than 14,100 restaurants. So 2,100 to 14,100. And in six days a week, they generate more revenue per restaurant than McDonald's. It's amazing. They beat out all of them. Taco Bell, KFC, Pizza Hut, Domino's, Arby's, doesn't matter. And they do it in six days instead of seven. You see, when you God give God a chance, he can do just as much in six as you could do in seven. We see this in the New Testament with Jesus. When Jesus, because he spent so much time with the Father, he had something that other people didn't have. In John 4, 30, 31 through 33, the disciples came to Jesus and they urged him. It says, and they said, Rabbi, eat something. But Jesus replied, I've got a kind of food that you know nothing about. Did someone bring him food while we were gone? The disciples asked each other. See, Jesus had this energy and this strength. Why? Because we see that he took time regularly to get away and spend time with the Father. He gave God a chance to refill his tank. He gave God a chance to fill him up spiritually and emotionally and mentally, physically. How many of you ever heard of the law of diminishing return? This is a principle that, man, you could work on something for 10 hours, let's say. And, and let, so let's, let's say my, my Sunday morning message. Let's say I work on it and I'm like, man, I, I wanted this to be a great message this week. And so, and so I spend my usual eight hours or so on it. And, but then I, I'm like, okay, I want it to be extra good. And so I spend another two hours on it. Maybe it gets a little bit better. And then, no, I want it to be even better. And so I spend another four hours on it. Well, guess what? At some point along the way, the message stayed in the oven just a little bit too long. And instead of, of getting better, it could actually start to get worse. And this is what it's like when you try to do it all and never stop and rest. When you think just working harder or longer is gonna make your life better or your, your job better or, or you know, making more money is gonna be the answer. At some point, you might make more money, but everything else in your life just starts, starts to see a diminishing return and starts to tank. And you know what the, the real root of this is? Never resting and, and just thinking that, oh man, I could do it and I could push through. It's arrogance. You know, it's kind of thinking that the kingdom 
rests on your shoulders. And it just all depends on you. You see, in the New Testament, the fact that Jesus didn't always observe the Sabbath in the ways that the Pharisees prescribed, it didn't mean that Jesus didn't live out the heart of the Sabbath. It just meant that he was depending on God for strength. He wasn't depending on rules and regulations and just always doing the right thing and doing it, you know, even when, you know, um, or just to the letter of the law all the time. No, is there's this true hunger in his heart to depend on God. And so first thing we got to do is we got to remember the Sabbath gives God the opportunity to, pro- to provide for us supernaturally. Do you believe that he will? That's the first step. And then the, the second why that we have to get in our heart when it comes to the Sabbath is that the Sabbath gives us the opportunity to rest and be refreshed. And remember, if you don't give God the opportunity, then you're not going to experience that Psalm 23 kind of refreshment and renewal. In Exodus 31, 17, it says that the Sabbath, it's a permanent sign of my covenant with the people of Israel. For in six days, the Lord made the heaven and earth, but on the seventh day, he stopped working and was refreshed. Love that. It's the opportunity to be refreshed. And so let's bring this back to Psalm 23. Because if we want to be refreshed, we got to know what refreshed looks like, right? And so if I want to have the opportunity to be refreshed, I got to know what am I shooting for? And so look in Psalm 23, one through two, says, the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. Wow. Just stop right there. If man, I'm going to be rested and refreshed. It starts with getting to this point where it's like, I don't need anything but your presence, God. And sometimes you won't always feel that way. You'll be hungry. You'll be tired. You'll be, but it starts with just vocalizing that God in you and with you. I have all that I need. Real rest and real refreshment comes from starting your heart off in that right direction. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. And so a Sabbath is a practical way to let God be our shepherd, to let him. Have you ever said, God, I want you to lead me. God, just show me what to do. Show me where to go. Show me how to live this life. And and yet I never stop and let him lead me. I never stop and spend this extended quiet time alone with him where I let him lead me beside peaceful streams, where I let him renew my strength. And I gotta be honest, usually when I'm tired, I'm like, okay, here's what I gotta do. I gotta I gotta work out more, I gotta eat better, I've gotta get some more sleep, and and, and my to-do list grows. But in reality, sometimes I just gotta take a walk with Jesus. I've just gotta let him lead me and guide me, and sometimes that just looks like listening. Stop trying to fix everything and just get quiet and alone with my creator, and just rest in his presence, knowing that, man, if I've got that, I've got everything that I'll ever need. Have you ever said, God, I want to feel your presence so bad. I just want to know that you're near. You want to experience that Psalm 23. Just 
description, but in a real way. Just like we sang this morning, God, I want the real thing. I want to encourage you to let God be your shepherd. You see, the Sabbath gives you the opportunity to rest and be refreshed. But if you don't let him, if you don't open the door, if you don't say, God, I'm really going to set this time aside for you, it just won't happen. There's a lot of ways to be refreshed. You know, one of my, one of my chief ways of, of refreshment is eating. <laughs> I love to eat. Love it. On vacation a couple weeks ago, uh, we made all our meals. Why? Because I like to cook. It's, it's fun. It's refreshing for me. I like to eat good food, right? But God is the chief source of refreshment. Sometimes I get that backwards, and I'm sure that you do too. And so I got to not leave him out. Remember, this isn't a have to. It's not just one more thing on your list. It's an invitation to get away with Jesus and spend some real time with him. Psalm 23, verse 5, it says, You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Man, I could preach a whole series just on each part of that. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. What? What does that tell me? That my circumstances don't have to change for me to get rested and refreshed. Let that sink in. All the bills don't have to get paid. All the things at the house don't have to get fixed. All the dishes don't have to get done. Everything doesn't have to be in its place and perfect for me to be rested and, ref and refreshed. Whatever the enemies of, the, of your soul are, and some of you have relational enemies, some of, some of you have inner enemies. You always think you're not good enough, that you're not measuring up because of something that someone said to you at some point in your life. And you've got these enemies of your soul just always speaking lies. You, and you have one big enemy of your soul. His name is the devil. And man, he's on your tail, tempting you, leading you, trying to get you someplace where you, you know you shouldn't go. But God says, in, in the presence of my enemies, in the presence of my enemies, God prepares a feast for me. And you can, can you imagine God cooking for you? How great that would be. And some of you just need to get these mental pictures in your mind so that you begin to hunger for the presence of God, hunger for that time where you get away with him, hunger for that time where you just spend time with Jesus and no one else. And he just fills you up and fills you to overflowing so that you can step out of that day ready for the week. Because you gotta be a good steward what God has given you. So the question is, is making a decision to sit at Jesus' feet and be refreshed by a real and living relationship with Him a priority for you? And maybe for some of you, man, you've heard that song before, but you've never really thought about it like that. And you just had this kind of aha moment where you're thinking, wait, God is serving me? God is anointing me. What did I do to deserve for my cup to overflow? What did I do to, to experience so much blessing in my life? And you just 
have that moment where you're like, oh my goodness. Jesus. Jesus died for me. He's providing for me. He wants to spend time with me. Man, what a treasure. And so church, I just want to encourage you as, as, as man, we turn this corner into the school year and maybe, maybe some of you are getting your last minute vacations or your last minute times away. That you don't forget this habit into this next season that you say God I'm not going to miss a week where I take a day I shut it all off not because I have to because I get to I get to be renewed I get to let you be my shepherd I get to remember that I have everything I need I get to be filled to overflow to be served by the creator of the universe. What a thought. Amen. Amen. If you can bow your heads and close your eyes this morning, I'd love to pray with you. Some of you are here today and you have never experienced this kind of relationship with God. And as I read Psalm 23, you're like, Joe, that sounds amazing, but I don't know Jesus. I haven't surrendered my life to him. I haven't made a decision to follow him. Joe, I've been going my own way. I've been running the other direction. I've been doing my own thing. But today you're like, I want to serve a God that, that loves me that much. I want to serve a God that wants to, that wants to be with me that much. I want to serve a God who creates a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus. And so if that's you today, I want to make opportunity for you to invite Jesus into your life. If that's you, you say, I want to know Jesus. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus today. If that's you, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You believe that he died on the cross for you, that he rose again on the third day. And you're saying with an upraised hand today, I want to serve Jesus. Anyone. If you're watching online, you can raise your hand right in your living room. Because Jesus isn't concerned about where your feet are right now. He's concerned about your heart being pointed towards him and surrender. And so if you'd like to give your heart and your life to Jesus today, you can pray a prayer that sounds just like this. And you can pray in your own words, in your heart. And you can say, Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner and I need a savior. I believe that you died on the cross for me and you rose again on the third day. And you did that so that I could have a right relationship with you. So today I want to put my trust in you and I want to step into a relationship with you. Jesus, I thank you that you died for me so that I could be free from my sin. And so help me for the rest of my life to walk away from sin and walk towards you. Help me to follow your word. Help me to understand it. I want to live for you in Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us online at Mosaic Church. We hope today's message was life-changing and useful. For more info, visit mosaiccincinnati.com.